We're waiting for YouTube to catch up. Ready, huh? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Was salatu was salam ala al mab'uthi rahmatan lil alameen. Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. So we're going to begin. What do we always start our classes with, guys? How do we start every class? You guys have been in so many of my classes now. What do I always start my class with? The girls unmuted the, the phone to give an answer, but then they, they just didn't say anything. Go on then, boys. What do I always start my class with? Sorry? No, before that. Before that, do I not always start with Alhamdulillah? Yeah? I always start with Alhamdulillah. Why do you think I always start my classes with Alhamdulillah? I want a really clever answer. I don't want just like, because we're Muslim. Why do I start all my classes with Alhamdulillah? Yes, Noah? Because I understand why you said that. I think that's a very clever answer. Because you're saying that Alhamdulillah is what you say. Alhamdulillah is what you say when you are feeling good, right? Is it only when you're feeling good that you say Alhamdulillah? When other people are feeling good. When other people are feeling good. Does, I want someone to answer that question a, a little bit differently. What, when does a Muslim say Alhamdulillah? You same answer as Noah there. You said when something good happens, when something good happens. I'm struggling to get back in touch with the girls. I don't know why. Because we gave them Wi-Fi today, so we should be okay. But maybe they lost the connection. Or maybe the battery died or something like that. Oh, there we are. That sounds like they're back on track. Okay. The internet stopped working completely, okay. Any reason? Is it working now? Did maybe the battery come out, the power cable come out or anything? Okay, I'll leave that with you. We'll figure it out later, okay? Um, so girls, I was gonna ask you about Alhamdulillah. So we've got two answers. Noah said, when you feel, when you feel good or when someone else feels good. Uh, Yusuf, you said? When something good happens. Very good. The girls got the answer right. Because Alhamdulillah suits every situation. Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. We praise Allah in every situation. Everything, whether you're feeling good, whether you're not feeling good, if you're happy, if you're sad, 
in all of those situations, you say, Alhamdulillah. Girls, just put yourselves on mute for a second. In every situation, we say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Okay? So, now I'll come back to my original question. Why do I start my classes with Alhamdulillah? Come on guys, you guys are sitting there, you can answer this. Why? Why do I start? It means all praises to Allah. Why do we start like that? Come on girls, boys. Yes, Yusuf. To praise Allah that he brought us all here. Excellent, I like that answer. We're still not answering the why. It's very good answer, totally correct. Praise Allah. Yani alhamdulillah, alladhi jama'ana fi hadha al-masjid. Exactly, the girls got the answer right. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did. Before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who started their speech with alhamdulillah? Before the Prophet Abu Bakr comes after. Someone who is more important than the Prophet and started their speech with Alhamdulillah. Allah, mashallah, we have one brother who's awake. Zakallah khair. Allah, when did Allah start his speech with Alhamdulillah? Surah Al Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So Allah started his speech in the Quran with Alhamdulillah, and the Prophet وسلم, used to start his speeches when he would speak to the Sahaba. He would start it with Alhamdulillah. And so what do we do? We also start our speech with Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. But that's not the only thing we start with. We also start with As-Salatu Wassalam Ala Nabiyyina Muhammad. We start by asking Allah to bless and to give peace to our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to mention him among the angels, the lofty angels and to praise his, his characteristics and to praise him in front of the lofty angels and to give him peace. So we say As-Salatu Wassalam Ala Rasulillah. Why do we do that? Because Allah told us to do it. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. O you who believe, send blessings upon the Prophet and ask Allah to give him peace. Ask Allah to bless him and ask Allah to give him peace. And the Prophet used to start like that. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah. Why did I start this whole class like this? Because I wanted to talk to you about the Sahaba. That's right, I want to talk to you about Sahaba. And the Sahaba, they were famous for doing one thing. What were they famous for doing? 
following the Prophet And this is the point that I wanted to make to you guys. The Sahaba, we all remember who Sahaba are, right? I'm not talking about Sahaba and someone sitting there thinking, who is Sahaba? Who, which team does he play for? No? You all remember who Sahaba is? Yeah? The companions of the Prophet the people who are around him? Yeah? His friends and the people who followed him and the people who believed in him and they, they lived with him, yeah? Like Abu Bakr and like Umar and like Uthman and Ali, radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. So today, we're going to talk about Umar ibn al-Khattab. But before we do, I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to be totally biased. I'm going to ask this question one of them to Zach and one of them to Noah. And the reason why is because after we finished our salah today, these two boys who are one of the younger kids in the class, they came up to me and they said, we researched the answer to your question and we've got the answer. So after they came up to me and said they've researched it and got the answer, so we have to hear the answer from them. The question we asked last week was about how long did Abu Bakr, was Abu Bakr, I'm going to ask only Zach and Noah because they came to me after the salah, wallah. And I know you guys did the research and I appreciate it, Allah. But because they came to me straight after the prayer, they said, we had homework and we, we found the answer. So for that effort, because of that effort, I want to hear them answer the question. So it was to do with how long did Abu, was Abu Bakr in charge of the Muslims and how did he die? So how long was he in charge of the Muslims? No, I'll ask you that one. For two years. Two years and? Two years, two weeks and two months. Two years, two months and two weeks. Okay. A little bit over two years. Very good. Excellent. Amazing. You did a fantastic answer. He was in charge of the Muslims for around about two years. A little bit over two years. Excellent. Wasn't very long, right? It's not very long. I mean, the Prophet wasallam was with us for 23 years as a prophet, right? As a prophet, he spent 23 years with us. Abu Bakr was in charge of the Muslims only for two years. Very, very short time. Very short time. And how did Abu Bakr die? Because in those days, you know, you ask that question, like, it, it, there were fighting, there were wars, there were battles. There was, I mean, many of the Sahaba, they died in battles, right? They were shot. We heard, we heard about, uh, about Abu Bakr's son. Which son died in a battle? Abdullah, I think. Abdullah, yeah? No, not Abdurrahman, but Abdullah is the one I was thinking that I told you about in the class. And he died in the siege of... Ta'if, they shot an arrow at him and remember Abu Bakr came and he said, who shot this? He said to the, the people when he came, do you know whose arrow this is? And the man said, this is my arrow. And he said, this is the arrow that killed my son. Alhamdulillah, the one who caused him to die from your hand and didn't make you die from his hand. Why did Abu Bakr say that? Girls. So for Abdullah, alhamdulillah, because he was killed for Allah, like he died in the battle for the sake of Allah. So he got a very high place in Jannah because he died 
from a battle where he fought for the sake of Allah and he died. Okay, but why, why, why did he say, Alhamdulillah, that, that he didn't kill you? Because then he wouldn't have been able to come Muslim. So it worked out best for both of them, right? Abdullah got the reward from Allah that he died in the battle. And that man who killed him got the reward that he didn't die in the battle as a non-Muslim. And he became Muslim after that. SubhanAllah. How did Abu Bakr die, Zak? He, he got ill. So it wasn't a battle, right? It wasn't a battle. He got sick. He got sick. And he's the only one of the, th of the four, of the first four rulers in, in Islam, that is Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. He's the only one who died a natural death. That means he got sick, he wasn't well, his sickness got worse, and he died. All of the others died in a very dramatic and a very, uh, like they were, they, were, they were killed. They, were, they, were, they died when somebody killed, somebody killed them. Not in a battle, but we're going to hear about it. But somebody killed them. So that's important that Abu Bakr, he died naturally. So when Abu Bakr was dying, and he's in charge of all of the Muslims. What do you think was going through his mind? And I'm going to ask that question to the girls. Who is going to be the next leader? Who is going to be the next person to take over? So when the Prophet ﷺ died, did he specifically choose who was going to be in charge or not? This is a tough question. I would leave one second. I'm going to ask you, put your hands up if you think the Prophet chose Abu Bakr and said Abu Bakr chose him. One person in the boys put their hand up. How many girls think the Prophet chose Abu Bakr? None. Okay. How many boys think that the Prophet didn't choose and he left it open for the Muslims to choose? Most of the boys think so. Five, six, seven. How many girls? Okay, I'm surprised. Because actually, it's not like that. It's not as simple as that. Can, can maybe, Anas, you tell me what you think? Not the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. No, no, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't say like that. Girls. Okay, good. That's, that's, what, that's what I wanted to hear from the girls. Is that Abu, the Prophet didn't name him by name that you're going to be, everyone, everyone in the masjid, listen to me, Abu Bakr is going to be in charge after me. But he did say so in a, a subtle way, like not obviously, but he said it, right? So for example, he said to a woman, she came to him and she said, if I don't find you, if I come and I have and I don't find you, who shall I go to? And he said, Abu Bakr. 
And when he told the people to lead the prayer, who leads the prayer, by the way, when the Muslims are in a Muslim country and it's the main prayer in the country, who, who would lead the prayer in that time? Yeah, the leader, the leader of the Muslims. No, actually not. The girls are wrong on that. The girl said the person who knows the most Quran, no. Because the Prophet said, He said, no one is allowed to lead someone else in prayer when they are the one in charge. D does that make sense? So I give example. Let's just talk about the masjid. Masjid has someone in charge. Okay? Someone's in charge. Imam is in charge of the masjid. Agreed? Agreed or not? What do you think, Danny? Danny? Yeah? Imam is in charge of the masjid. Let's just say Imam has memorized five juz of the Quran. Okay? And someone comes in who is hafid of the Quran. Who leads the salah? The Imam. Why? Because he's in charge. So the first ruling in Islam is that the one in charge of a place is the first one who has the right to lead the prayer. More than the one who memorized. Then, if no one is in charge, or if the person in charge doesn't want to, and he says, you lead, The one who knows the most Qur'an leads the prayer. That's what the girl said. That's correct. But that's after the one in charge. So in the time of the Khulafa, that is the rightly guided rulers, the, the rulers, the Khulafa Rashidun, Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali, it was them who used to lead the people in prayer. And there's two reasons. Number one, they were in charge. And number two, what's the other reason? They were the most knowledgeable. They were, the, they were, Abu Bakr was the most knowledgeable of the companions. Nobody had more knowledge about Islam in the companions than Abu Bakr. And sometimes people say, oh, someone knew the Qur'an, or someone was, knew about rules, and someone knew about fiqh. Nobody knew more about Islam than Abu Bakr. And I want you guys to give me, you girls, girls, give me evidence from the stories we heard from the life of Abu Bakr, where we clearly heard evidence that Abu Bakr was the most knowledgeable of the companions. He was the most knowledgeable about hadith, he was the most knowledgeable about tafsir, he was the most knowledgeable about fiqh. Give me evidence. Not hearing anything. Girls. All right. Who's got an idea? Give me evidence. We heard from the story of Abu Bakr that Abu Bakr was the most knowledgeable of all of the companions. Uh, yeah, but I want a story in his life. Uh, I think, uh, girls, could you open the sister section, please? Open the door. Someone trying to get in. Girls, any ideas? Okay, if I give you a clue, it was towards the end of 
the Prophet's life, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Go on. When he knew the Prophet was going to die and nobody else understood. The Prophet stood on the minbar and he said, a servant was given a choice between living in this world forever and going to meet Allah. And he died passing away out of this world. And he chose the akhirah. He chose the hereafter. Only Abu Bakr started to cry. Because only Abu Bakr understood Islam so much that he straight away understood what the Prophet meant. The other companions didn't. But you get another evidence that was an even clearer evidence. When he said Abu Bakr can lead the prayer, there's even one third evidence that he was the most knowledgeable. Go on, Neely. When the Prophet died and all the companions, what, what did they all say? What did Umar say? Yeah, if, any, if, if anyone says the Prophet died, I'm going to hit him with my sword. He said, I'm going to take my sword and I'm going to hit him with my sword. Anybody who says the Prophet died. What did Abu Bakr say? He said, he re recited an ayah. وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ أَفَإِمْ مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلًا قَلَبَتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ وَمَنْ يَنْقَالِبُ عَلَىٰ أَقِيبَيْهِ فَلَنْ يَضُرَّ اللَّهَ شَيْئًا He recited the ayah from Surah Al-Imran that Muhammad is only a messenger. Many messengers died before him. If he dies or is killed, will you turn on your heels? Meaning, are you going to leave Islam because he died? And whoever turns on their heels and leaves Islam because he died, they're not going to harm Allah in anything. And Allah will reward the people who are grateful. So do you understand? Abu Bakr is the one who understood the meaning of the ayah. And nobody else could remember that ayah at the time. And they said when Abu Bakr recited that ayah, the people said it felt as though we never heard the ayah before and the, it felt like the ayah was being given to Abu Bakr. Do you understand? Like it felt like the ayah was given to Abu Bakr for the first time and nobody heard it except him. Even though they knew it and they used to recite it, but Abu Bakr understood it. That Muhammad is only a messenger. Many messengers died before him. Who's the only messenger who didn't die? Girls know the answer. Anas knows the answer. Maybe Zach knows the answer. Yusuf thinks he knows the answer. Danny! Allah, Allah, Habibi, Allah, you, I thought you were going to scratch your head or something. So you put your hand up. You okay? Prophet Isa, mashallah. It's so nice to hear you answer a question in class. You don't get too many times, mashallah. Excellent. Prophet Isa. He didn't die. So what happened to him? If he didn't die, where is he? Why is he not teaching the class in the masjid? If he didn't die. Allah took him up to heaven. Allah raised him up to heaven to keep him there until he has to come back on the earth again. He has to come back again. And when he comes back for the second time, then he will die. Because you have to, everybody has to die. Kullu nafsin Everybody has to die. So he hasn't died yet, 
but he's going to die when he comes back to fight against the Masih, al-Dajjal, the false Dajjal, the liar who will say that he is Allah and he will say that he is your Lord, but he's not your Lord, he's a liar called the Dajjal. And when he lies, Isa will come and Isa will kill him and Isa will rule among the Muslims. He'll be in charge of them, or he'll be not in charge, but he'll be the one who is uh, ruling among the Muslims. And he will, that time he will die. And the Muslims will pray his janazah, his janazah prayer. But until now he didn't die. Every prophet dies. So Abu Bakr understood, everybody is going to die. Kullu nafsin So back to the question, did the Prophet choose? Yes and no. He didn't choose by like openly or clear words like that. Yeah, where he said, Abu Bakr is the leader after me. Right? But he chose in that he chose him to lead the prayer and everybody knew that he was the most knowledgeable. And when it came to choosing Abu Bakr, they said, how can we be in charge when you, Abu Bakr, are Thani Athnain? What is Thani Athnain? The ayah. إِذْ أَخْرَجَهُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا ثَانِي أَثْنَيْنِ إِذْ هُمَا فِي الْغَارِ إِذْ يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعْنَا What does ثاني mean? Second. What does اثنين mean? واحد. اثنين. Two. The second out of two. How was Abu Bakr the second out of two? In what situation, in which part, what story, what part of his story was Abu Bakr? The second person out of two. After Muhammad Sallallahu in which part of the story? When they were in the cave. When they were in the cave. They said, how can we be in charge when you were alone with the Prophet in the cave? The Prophet didn't choose Umar. He didn't choose Uthman. He didn't choose Ali. He didn't choose anyone else to go on that journey, to be there with him like that when he was alone. He chose Abu Bakr. So they knew that Abu Bakr, that's who the Prophet wanted to be in charge, but he didn't name him by name. So you were both kind of right that yeah, he chose him and he didn't, he didn't choose him. Like he didn't mention him by name, but he showed the people that he wanted Abu Bakr to be in charge. Okay. Abu Bakr was in charge and he was in charge for only a very short time. Boys, boys, don't do that. He was in charge for a very short time. And in that time, there was a lot of battles happening, a lot of problems. I'm just going to tell you the biggest problem that happened. I'm not going to tell you all the problems. What do you imagine was the biggest... First, before that, before we talk about the biggest problem, what does the word Khalifa mean? Abu Bakr was the Khalifa. But what does the word... I want to hear from the girls, because it's just the boys today. The boys are on a roll. Anas came, mashallah. Girls say ruler. Now ruler is hakim. Ruler in Arabic is hakim. Or sultan. What's the word khalifa? Um, leader. Leader, very good try. Good try. You're, you're right, you're both right, but it's not quite what the word means. Leader, ruler. Leader, do, do, you, know what the, do you know what the actual Arabic word for leader is? You do, I promise you do. 
I promise you know what the Arabic word for leader is. Imam. Imam. <laughs> That's the leader. Huh? So Hakim, Imam. Now, not necessarily. You don't have to be companion to be Khalifa. If, okay, let, let, no, let me ask you a question. The girl said leader of the Muslims. You're all right, but I wanted to get to something. I'm going to, girls, just mute for a second. I want to get something. If you had a child, which one of them would you name Khalifa? No, definitely not. No, nah, definitely not. You both said, the girls and boys said the same thing, eldest, not. Not even the youngest necessarily. The one who came after the other one. Because the word Khalifa means the one who came afterwards. The one who came afterwards. Allah said, فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ There came a people after. Khalf, behind, right? You know the Arabic word khalf? You guys, some of you know these words, yeah? Khalf means behind. Khalifa, the one who came afterwards, came behind. What did Abu Bakr come behind who? The Prophet ﷺ. So Abu Bakr came behind or afterwards the Prophet ﷺ. He succeeded, he came like second afterwards, yeah? So he was his Khalifa. So this word Khalifa is actually the title Abu Bakr was given is Khalifa to Rasulullah. The Rasul's Khalifa. The Prophet's Khalifa. Meaning the Prophet's, the one who came after the Prophet. The one who took the place of being leader of the Muslims after the Prophet was in charge. So he was in charge. So now the question is, now Abu Bakr has to decide what to do about who is going to be Abu Bakr's Khalifa. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah? Who's going to follow, boys, who's going to follow Abu Bakr? Who is going to come after Abu Bakr? So Abu Bakr has a choice to make. And the choice he has to make is, should I choose or not choose? Do you see what I mean? Should I choose, like should I say, this man is going to be in charge? Or, or should I leave it open for the people to choose? Before that, what was Abu Bakr's biggest problem while he was in charge? The biggest problem was that a lot of people left Islam. Why do you think people might, those people might have left Islam? Very good. The girls gave good answer because the Prophet died, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they were not they were not uh, like his companions. They were not close people to him. They were people who were uh, far away. And when the Prophet died, they said, "Well, if the Prophet has died, then you know what? I'm, that's it. I'm not going to keep going." And they actually started to either turn away from Islam or they started to refuse to pay the zakah. They said, we only pay zakah to the Prophet. They said, we only pay zakah to the Prophet 
Abu Bakr said, I'm the Khalifa, I'm the one who followed the Prophet to, to be in charge. I'm, you have to pay the zakah. Zakah is forever for the Muslims, it's for Islam. It's not just while the Prophet is alive. They said no. So what do you think Abu Bakr had to decide or what did he do? The girl said to try and bring them back. Yeah, he fought them. He said, if you don't pay, if you even stop me from the rope that I used to, that you tie your camel's legs with, if you even stop me something small from the zakah, I'm going to send my army and I'm going to fight you. I'm going to send my army and I'm going to fight you. Because this zakah is a part of Islam, isn't it? Yeah? And it comes, Do your prayers, give your zakah. So he said, we're going to fight against the people who split between the, 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 the prayer and the zakah. They say, I'll pray, but I'm not going to give zakah. When Allah said, You have to pray and give the zakah. So Abu Bakr fought against them. And he was very busy dealing with these problems because a lot of people turned away. People decided they didn't want to be Muslim. He tried to bring them back. Some people tried to fight against the Muslims after they were friends in the time of the Prophet. But when he died, they started to fight against the Muslims. Abu Bakr had to send his army. And just before we start to tell you about how Abu Bakr chose who was going to be in charge, we have to tell you about the army of a very important person. Very important person. This was an army. I'm, gonna, so I'm coming to it. This was an army that the Prophet ﷺ, just before he died, he had set this army ready to go. He prepared the army and he chose who was going to be the leader of the army. He chose, okay, who was going to be the leader of the army. So I want you guys to tell me who do you think the Prophet chose to be the leader of this army? Yusuf. Abu Bakr, good try, wrong. I'm coming to you. <laughs> I think you know the answer, so that's why I'm going to come to you last. Yes. Omar, wrong. Girls, what do you think? I just hear something good that I'm going to ask you because I think you know. Okay, the girl said a young person, okay? Who was it? No, it wasn't Ali, no, no, good try, it wasn't. It was a young person. What about if I told you that the Prophet chose a teenager to be in charge of his army? And that army had Abu Bakr in it, and it had Umar in it, and he still chose the leader to be a young boy. Now I want you to tell me who is that young boy? Anas. No, not quite. You'll get very close. That was his father was Zayd. His father was Zayd. It was Usama ibn Zayd. Usama ibn Zayd. And the people were not happy. They were not happy at all. That Usama was in charge of the army. When the Prophet ﷺ died, they were even less happy. Even when the Prophet ﷺ was still alive, they were, they were not that happy that Us why is Usama in charge? Now to understand who is Usama, 
You have to understand who is Osama's mom and dad. You have to understand who is Osama bin Zayd, who is his mom, and his dad. Okay? So, Anas, you mentioned Zaid. Do you know anything about Zaid? He used to be a slave of the Prophet And when the Prophet freed him, he adopted him like a son. Like he took him like to be like his son. Not his son because he didn't take him like, I mean, you can't, he can't be like a son. But he took him like a, like a Adopted him like a son. Zayd ibn Haritha. Zayd married a woman. Does anyone know what her name was? A very famous lady. She was from Abyssinia. She was Habashiya. She was from... Abyssinia. Where did we say Abyssinia is today? Where is Abyssinia? It's the area around Ethiopia. Around where's Ethiopia? That sort of area. She was from there. And her name was what? Her name was Ummu Ayman. Umm Ayman. And Umm Ayman, she married Zayd ibn Haritha. And she had a son, Usama ibn Zayd. Now, Usama had a problem from the beginning. And I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but I'll tell you a little bit about his story because his story is amazing. The biggest problem he had to start with is that he didn't look like his dad. He didn't look like his dad too much like his dad. He looked more like his mom. So he used to get trouble from the people. You know, people used to give him trouble about it. And the Prophet used to be very upset. He didn't like it. And people used to give him trouble about it. And the story is that when they were sleeping one day, there was a man who was an expert in, you know, these kind of things. And he saw their feet together. And he said, that feet, that's his, that's his father. You can only tell from his feet that he was, that he was like his father, Zayd ibn Haritha. So Usama ibn Zayd, the Prophet loved him so much. They used to call him the beloved one, the son of the beloved one. Like that the Prophet used to love Zayd so much and he used to love Usama so much. And Ummu Ayman, what is she famous for? This lady, she was the Abyssinian lady, Ummu Ayman, her name was Baraka. What was she famous for? She, you guys have to know, it's very important what she was famous for. Not, they said giving food to the poor. No, 
she was the one who raised the Prophet. She looked after him. She was the one who looked after him like, like a mother would look after him. She was the one who looked after him like, like a mother would look after him. And when his mother died, she took his, the place of the job of what his mother used to do to look after him. She took it and she used to look after him. She was the one who looked after him. So she was like a mother to him. She was like a mother to him. He used to treat her in a, like a similar way, like, because she was like, you know, she was like a mother to him. When he married Khadija, he freed her. She was free and she married Usama ibn Zayd, who was the adopted son of the Prophet the one who the Prophet took on. And they had Usama ibn Zayd. So Usama came from a very, very high family in that sense. His mom was like a mom to the Prophet And his dad was like a son to the Prophet So the Prophet used to love Usama a lot. But Usama used to get a lot of trouble. Because of course, and his mom was not from Quraysh. She was not from the same tribe as those people. And his dad was a freed slave. His mom was a freed slave. So the people didn't like that Usama. Why is Usama in charge? First of all, Usama, like we said, his mom was from Abyssinia. His dad was a freed slave. Like, why is this guy in charge of us? Why is he? And he was young as well. He was only a teenager when he was in charge of the army. So you imagine he was a young man and he was just... He was very young when he was in charge of the army. So the people, they didn't like it. But the Prophet he told them it has to be Usama ibn Zayd. When the Prophet died, what the pressure was on Abu Bakr to take Usama out of the army, out of the lead, don't make him the leader of the army. They said, look, even, some people just didn't like Usama. Like they, they said, look, how are you going to put the freed slave, the one who's the son of a slave, you're going to put him in charge of us. The one whose mother was from Abyssinia, you're going to put him in charge of us. How are you going they, to... They, some people were like that. But some people, they weren't. They said, look, we love Usama, but he's too young. You can't put a young person like this. This is like now the Muslims in crisis. There's people fighting us all around. After the Prophet died, and people are fighting us from every side. So us, you know, we cannot have this, it's no good. You, can, you cannot put a young guy in charge. So the pressure was on Abu Bakr. And they said, look, put Umar in charge of the army. Put Umar, Osama next time, let him get older, he can be in charge of the army. Put Umar in charge. What do you think Abu Bakr decided to do and why? Is he, is he right to put Umar in charge? It could be right. Like Umar is, mashallah, a very good fighter, very good general, very good at battles. Everybody respects him and he's older. So it makes sense, right, to put Umar in charge. What did Abu Bakr do and why? Why? Good. Girls have got the answer. Boys. That's it. Abu Bakr, he said, I'm not going to change something the Prophet did. 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I am not, if the Prophet put him in charge, I'm putting him in charge. All of you, no, no talking anymore. Jazakumullah khairan for your opinion, Usama is in charge. Why? Because the Prophet did. Why is that important for us to learn? Very good. It didn't matter the age. It didn't matter where he's from. It didn't matter who his mom is or who his dad is. It didn't matter what he looked like. It mattered that the Prophet chose him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when the Prophet chose someone, we don't choose anyone else different after that. That's it. Abu Bakr said, don't talk to me about put Umar in charge, put this person in charge. No. Usama is in charge of the army. That's what the Prophet said, that's what I'm going to do. Sam is in charge of the army. All of that went on and the armies went out and alhamdulillah the situation was much better. By the time Abu Bakr became sick, the situation was much better. The people returned to Islam were left it. Those people who fought against the Muslims were defeated and the situation of the Muslims in the time of Abu Bakr, it became stable and settled. And actually, if you look at uh, if you look at how Islam was, if you look at how Islam was in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Arabian Peninsula was Muslim, right? In in do you understand? Like in the sense that Medina, uh, first of all, Medina became Muslim, right? From Medina, Islam spread outwards, Mecca, Taif, Khaybar. Upwards, downwards, that way, that way, until the whole of that Arabian Peninsula, that area around Mecca and Medina, which is now Saudi Arabia, but it wasn't then because that didn't exist. That whole area was now Muslim. With the time of Abu Bakr, it started to expand and the Muslims were more settled. And Abu Bakr had a decision to make. Who should be in charge or should I choose who to be in charge? So Abu Bakr, he decided, I'm going to choose who is going to be in charge. That's his right, because he's the ruler, right? Like He's the one in charge now. Abu Bakr is in charge. He said, I'm going to choose. Who did he choose? And why did he choose them? Okay, and why do you think? Girls, any idea why? Think about the army of Osama bin Zayd. That will help you to choose the... No, no, you're thinking too much. Even the girls are overthinking it because Islam would explain you're overthinking it. What was the lesson we learned from the army of Osama bin Zayd? We learned the lesson of what? What was the moral of that story or the lesson? Have 
we learn that you follow the Prophet ﷺ, that that's what matters, right? So the Prophet ﷺ used to say the best of the Muslims are Abu Bakr and then Umar. The Prophet used to say. Or the people used to say it to him and he used to agree with them. That the best of the Muslims are Abu Bakr and then Umar. So Abu Bakr knew this. So he said, because I know the Prophet ﷺ thought Umar was the best, and after Abu Bakr that Umar was the best, then Umar is going to be the one to be in charge. There's another reason, and that is what Abu Bakr knew about Umar. So we're going to finish this class by talking about what you know about Umar. Anything what you know about Umar ibn al-Khattab. His name was Umar ibn al-Khattab, right? So the girl said he was a very good fighter. That's true, he was very strong and very brave. Good. What else do you know about Umar, about when he became Muslim, about... Uh... Yes? Sorry? Okay, the Prophet ﷺ loved him, yeah, that's good. He used to hate Islam in the beginning. Yeah, of his life when he when Islam he didn't become Muslim in the first moment. He used to not like Islam and he used to not not like the Muslims. He was the second of the ones promised Jannah. When the Prophet said Abu Bakr is in Jannah and Umar is in Jannah. The Prophet made dua for him to become Muslim. He said, Oh Allah, strengthen Islam with one of the two Umars. Either this Umar or that Umar. Homework for next week, who was the other Umar? Okay? Yeah, the Prophet said, Oh Allah, make Islam strong from one of the two Umars. Either this Umar or either that Umar. So one of them was Umar ibn al-Khattab. The other one was a different Umar. Who was he? You research that for next week, okay? What else do you know about Umar ibn al-Khattab? What was he doing when he became Muslim? What was he planning to do before he became Muslim? Kill the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He was planning to, to kill him. Okay, very good. What about... What happened after he became Muslim? What happened to the Muslims after Umar became Muslim? They became stronger. Very good. They started to pray openly. Two people became Muslim that made Muslims stronger. Who were those two people? Hamza and Umar. Once Hamza and Umar became Muslim, the people used to go and pray in front of the Kaaba. They were, they were happy, you know, Hamza and Umar, one in the front, one in the back. And they used to go together and pray in front of the Kaaba because they were two very strong people, Hamza and Umar, radiyallahu anhumah. Sorry? Sorry, girls, I missed that one. Okay. So we need to find out more about Umar. And Umar became in charge of the Muslims because Abu Bakr named him, right? Abu Bakr said, you are going to be in charge. 
right? Abu Bakr said, Umar is in charge after me. He didn't leave it. He didn't say, choose who is best. He said, my last decision I'm going to make is that Umar is in charge. If you remember, even Abu Bakr, before when they were choosing Abu Bakr to be in charge, who did Abu Bakr say? Either for Umar or for Abu Ubaidah, right? He wanted like that, look, you pick one of these two people, either Umar or Abu Ubaidah to be in charge. And then they picked Abu Bakr instead. So Abu Bakr always knew. And Umar was the one who was Abu Bakr's minister. Like he was the one who was helping him out all the time and always trying, you know, uh, discussing with him and giving him advice. So Abu Bakr knew that Umar would be a good leader for the Muslims. Why do you think Umar would be a good leader for the Muslims? And we're going to stop with this question and, and we're going to finish up. Why do you think that Abu Bakr thought Umar would be a good leader for the Muslims? The Prophet loved him, okay. And he was a good, he was brave and he was a good fighter. So a leader should be strong, right? A leader should be, should be strong, right? Agreed? You agree? A leader should be somebody strong. He was the most knowledgeable after Abu Bakr. He was the most knowledgeable after Abu Bakr. The Prophet loved him. Good. He was strong and brave. He cared about the people. You know, in the time when Umar was the ruler, he used to go out at night. He didn't used to sleep. He used to go at night and he used to walk around the streets looking for anything which is not right because he used to fear that maybe Allah will blame me or will punish me if something is not right because I'm in charge. And there's a very famous story I'm going to tell you to finish off about Umar and then we're going to talk about Umar next time. This is my, I'm going to finish with this story. It's a very nice story. One day, Umar... He was walking around at night and he used to conceal himself. He didn't used to go in public, right? He used to hide. Because if, he, if people see him, what will happen? What do you think? If people see him, what will they do? If you, see your, if you see your dad walking down the street and you're standing with your friends, what do you do? What are you going to suddenly do? Yeah. Behave. Yeah? You're going to behave. You're going to like, okay, all right, okay. I'm doing it. Shh, no one say anything bad. So Umar used to hide. And he used to go around and just listen. Is everybody okay? Is everyone all right? One time, he came across a woman. And this woman, she was poor and she was hungry. And her children were hungry and they were so hungry, she used to put stones in the pot. And she used to put water and she used to cover the pot so that it makes a noise like food is coming. And when the children fell asleep, they would fall asleep because she didn't have any food to give them. She was just trying to make them, look, just go to sleep. You can hear, look, the sound of the food cooking. And there was no food in the pot. And she was upset with Umar. So one time Umar was walking around and he heard she was blaming Umar that, you know, Umar doesn't take care. Umar went from his own kitchen, not from the Muslims' money, from his own. And he brought, money for, he brought uh, food for her and he gave it to her. Because he didn't want anyone to blame him. So one time, when he was walking around, he passed by a mom and a daughter. Okay? You with me? Yeah? A mom and her daughter. And the mom said to the daughter, 
She said, why? She said they, were, they had milk, right? She told her daughter to mix some water in with the milk before they sell it. Why do you think she told them to mix some water in with the milk? You can make more money, huh? You can make more money, right? So it's, it's lying, right? Like take the milk and just dilute a bit of water so that you can sell more and make more money. She told her daughter to, to do that. And the mom said to the daughter, don't worry, Umar is not here. Right? Umar is not here to see you. She said, what? Umar is not here to see you. Who was there? Umar was there, but she said, she said, Umar is not there to see you. Don't worry, Umar, is, he doesn't know about it. Just put some water in, we make more money. The girl, she said to her mom, she said, even if Umar is not here, the Lord of Umar is watching. Even if Umar is not watching, the Lord of Umar is watching. Who is the Lord of Umar? Allah. Even if Umar is not here, Allah is watching and that's a lesson for all of us. Even if your mom and dad are not looking at you, Allah is watching you. So don't do something bad, don't do something wrong because my dad is not looking, my mom is not looking. Allah is watching you. So Umar saw this and this girl, this girl, she, uh, her name was Layla, I think. If I'm not mistaken, that was her name, Layla. And she said, I'm not going to do it, mom. I'm not going to do it because I'm scared of Allah. I'm not going to put the water in the milk. Omar, he went home and he told his son, I'm going to marry you to this girl. I want you to marry this girl. He went home like that and he said to his son, you know this girl, I want you to marry her. Why? Because she is scared of Allah. She's not scared of Omar. She's only scared of Allah. She's frightened of Allah. She'll be a, she'll be a, good, she'll be a good wife, a good person to, for you to marry. So they got married. That girl, she got married to Umar's son. And they had a daughter, uh, and, or they had yeah, a daughter or a son, a daughter and then a son. And we'll talk about that later on. That's a different story for another day. But that is how Umar used to be. He used to go around at night and he used to look for anything that's wrong among the Muslims and fix it himself. Not He didn't send his policemen out, he didn't send his army out. He used to go by himself, hiding at night. If he sees somebody doing something wrong, sort it out. If he sees somebody hungry, give them food. He used to take a lot of care of the Muslims. We're going to hear more about Umar next week, inshallah, and also start maybe to talk about Uthman as well, inshallah. So, the research was, what was the research I asked you to do? What did I ask you? I asked you to look into something, what was it? Uh, the other Umar. 